Before today's topic, a quick disclaimer. The stories and data we share come from the states that we practice in and the experiences we personally had, which can differ greatly across our country and certainly the globe. This is not a professional advice show. So get comfy and let's discuss death. Welcome to Mort Mike, a down-to-earth discussion on death and dying. I'm Jem. And I'm Red, and we are your quandary-quashing quizmasters on this week's episode. After our first Curiosities episode, where we were asking our parents to send us their death-related questions, we thought it'd be only fair to milk our friends for their inquiries as well. You guys are constantly DMing us on Facebook to answer, like, weird stuff all the time. It was only a matter of time to open the floor to a public forum for these questions. So we got a lot of really good ones for this episode, a lot of teeth-based ones for some reason. What is it with y'all and teeth? So so strap in and we'll dig into some of these questions. I'm excited. Um, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but a lot of the episodes we've been doing specifically in the last couple of months have been pre-pre-pre-recorded, like way in advance, because me and Red have been going through a lot of life stuff recently. Um, I myself am graduating from grad school. Yay. And I am going to be an official uh, forensics pathologist assistant. That's so exciting, Jim. Yeah. And I literally just um, agreed to take a job down in the the southern part of the United States of America. So there's a big move coming up there. Um, Unfortunately, this (laughs) is at the same time. (laughs) When Red is moving back to where I'm at right now. So we'll get like one whole month together. Like after all this time, <laughs> we were like, oh, man, we're finally going to like record in person together once. <laughs> once, maybe not even right. because we're all, like we've been so busy moving and stuff. So, yeah. So Red is coming back to where we first met together and hung out. And I am moving um, down Southways. So that's that's what we've been up to recently. But we're excited to finally have some time to devote to the podcast and try some new things. You guys know we had our first guest um, interview recently. And, you know, we're looking to do more of that kind of stuff. We have a website now at mikepodcast.com. Um, and it's really beautiful. I spent a lot of time on it. Yeah, so you did. Please, go, <laughs> please go appreciate it. Um, I spent a lot of time on it instead of like studying or whatever. So. <laughs> but definitely check that out. Our new um, private website, mortmikepodcast.com. It has a bunch of cool stuff on there. Um, but yeah, let's definitely get into it. Answer some of these really cool questions that our, our ridiculous friends asked us. <laughs> I thought I'd start with uh, one of my my favorite ridiculous questions. Actually, this is this is kind of what started uh, me wanting to do the friend episode was uh, a buddy James of mine had asked this to me. Um, and I'm like, OK, well, we definitely have to do episodes for friends stuff because like you guys like our parents are pretty like laid back about their questions uh, in, in a regard. But like you guys, no holds barred. Like you just, you just ask it, <laughs> like the weirdest <laughs> stuff. So, uh, James asks, uh, and like this is exactly verbatim as it was sent to me. Random question: When a body is cremated, do breast augmentations need to be removed before the body is burned? I swear I didn't kill anyone. 
so this one was really fun because um, like I, I I had an idea of like the answer to this already, but I also asked my crematory operators just in case because like I have heard a few different things on this. Like they'll tell mm-hmm. you in crematory operator class, like no, 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 they have to be you know removed before cremation because this, that, and the other thing. But um, it's it's really not necessary. Like the the big reasons are like the gel implants can melt and get like stuck to the floor like the brick floor of the retort which Mm -hmm. takes some scraping to get off but that's that's really not a big deal it's just like a blob that you can just scrape off and dispose of as medical waste or Mm -hmm. i mean if it's like a saline implant it'll just pop apparently so (laughs) yeah and evaporate definitely yeah i mean breast implants are either saline or silicone is the gel type so obviously the silicone isn't gonna like burn it's just gonna melt and then solidify and get gross but yeah saline's just gonna evaporate up um i will say that during autopsy it's something you have to look out for because when you make the y incision over the chest if you do not realize that the person has breast implants and it's pretty easy to tell but sometimes you're just working so fast you don't realize um you can just slice right through it and all of a sudden you're covered in like silicone or like saline solution um, never happened to me because I'm very good at my job, but it's, it's definitely something that you have to be aware of. Man, I would never even like thought about that. That would be yeah. fun to have to like replicate for on the mortician side of things. <laughs> yeah. And then we don't take them out at all. We definitely just leave them in place. So don't worry. No one's going to be like stealing your breast implants when you die or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> also, it's like an extremely like invasive, I shouldn't say extremely, but pretty invasive medical procedure, like to like the, the job of the, like, a uh, person embalming somebody is not to like go in and take those out like it just we want to make as like few holes in the body as possible like essentially after somebody dies like least invasive as possible so for somebody to do that like it's not really appropriate right um moving on to a couple of questions that my dear friend Holly asked um they are an avid listener to the show but they are also a wonderful amazing person and <laughs> i very much appreciate them um so they ask a couple of questions let's start with what was a situation that occurred during your work that you still think about from time to time red did you want to start with that one uh sure so this is actually kind of messed up um a messed up story of mine it's like yeah it it sticks with me for like a bad reason because it's like sometimes when you have like your first traumas on the job of like how fragile our job is and how much bad stuff can go wrong like and it's really bad when like an accident happens at work like that stuff like Mm -hmm. that's the the I'm awake at 3 a.m. My brain won't let me sleep kind of story. Um, mm-hmm. So there was a person who um, had pretty severe like physical disabilities who passed away very young and uh, we were taking care of them. And I had set them up to be embalmed and then had to run upstairs for a morning meeting. And the morning meeting was over and we're just chit-chatting uh, before I go down and embalm. And the maintenance guy comes up and says, is there a reason that that poor person is on the floor? And like oh, no. the color just drains out of your face. Uh... Like, you know, like this high pitched sound like, happened in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> and like, yeah, because um, their body was so contorted just naturally um, after I had blocked them on the table, uh, it like 
must have just slipped and like rolled right off the table onto oh, the ground. It just fell on its own, like when no one was there. Yeah, exactly. Creepy. Yeah, so like that, it was just, it was all bad. Like not how I wanted yeah. to start the morning. Like had to do Gosh. minor like reconstruction on part of their face because of it. Yeah. You know, and, and that's one of the things like you'd feel bad. You, you don't want to bring that up to the family because like that's not going to help at all. That's not going to help their grief at all to know that. You know, and like yeah, I still feel absolutely. bad about it to this day. Like it, it haunts me for real, that poor person. And I could answer this question as well, but I'm just going to move on to the next question because it kind of like like uh, rolls into this here. So Holly asks, what is the weirdest cause of death you've come across? And I will start by saying I get asked this question all the time, literally all the time. And I think about it a lot. And the unfortunate answer is that I don't have like a number one go-to answer for this question. I see a lot of weird stuff, guys. <laughs> and I think <laughs> I think the problem for me is that it's hard for me to gauge like what story are you as a listener prepared to hear? Mm -hmm. Do I tell you about the time that... Uh, some guy jumped off a roof and his spine like shot through his skull. What? Do I tell you about the time um, that this little dog like ate this lady's toes and skin off her leg? It wasn't the cause of death, but it's just like a weird, gross story that people like to hear sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like there's so much stuff that I could tell. There was this um, this decedent um, got struck by a train and his whole entire body was completely mangled except for this perfect little whole kidney that was <laughs> sitting just neatly in between the tracks. Like weird stuff like that, you know? So I, I, I honestly, I love Holly, but I do not like this question <laughs> because it's really difficult for me to gauge like what, what kind of, so if you ever ask anyone this question, just give them a little bit to go on. Like, weirdest gory like story or like weirdest funny story or like weirdest sad story so um that's just a little that's my answer to that question sorry i got a little philosophical there honestly i feel like that's a good answer to that question though because i feel the same way where it's just like yeah i don't know weird to me like weird to what aspect yeah there are so many weirds like f weird for me could even mean like the person who had the most drugs in their system when they died, and that's what yeah. caused it, you know, like <laughs> it's all yeah. sorts. It takes all kinds. Yeah, definitely. Um, moving on though, so we have another red question. What is the strangest request from a family member? So I know that we told this one on another podcast, and then like after I told it, I could have sworn I told it on our podcast, and Gemma's like, What? Like, what even <laughs> to yeah, this story? We were <laughs> we were interviewing on the Radical Humanist. It's a podcast that you guys should check out our interview if you want to. But Red just starts telling the story, and I was like, I have never heard this before. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like uh, younger I was like an apprentice or whatever so I wasn't super used to like weird requests just yet like I was like oh can we can we put these things in their casket to display you know like it was stuff like that like not always common but like that was out of the ordinary for me until this biker family uh was like okay so we brought in this like v-cut super super low shirt um because she always liked showing off her cleavage like that was really like important to her it was an important part of her like appearance um but obviously gravity does what it does uh when you are on your back so in order to like recreate the cleavage 
Um, we didn't know this like until after she had been embalmed. So like her breasts weren't like hardened into like they weren't firmed up on top of her chest. So mm-hmm. we had to take a suture and like sew her nipples together to like pull them together to make the cleavage <laughs> so they could see her cleavage again. <laughs> wow. I mean, you got to do what you got to do, honestly. It's it's movie you gotta, magic. You got to get those do. girls up there. It is magic. <laughs> Wow, I love it. That's just like that that reminds me of like a TV show kind of thing. It really you is. D- you did that in real life. <laughs> <laughs> um and then Holly's last question here, is there a best state to die in? Um such as because of laws, environmental effects, etc. Oh, I was thinking more like solid liquid gas. I would probably say solid would be the <laughs> boo. <laughs> <laughs> I guess from like my weird aspects of things, like I like from a a person's perspective, like that lost somebody and like in specific of like what I want to do for my family members. Um, I feel like especially if you wanted to do like cremation with scattering, like living in places near like large bodies of water or like forest dense areas are nice because you have like a lot more places you could go to scatter without super far travel. Um and then maybe like like from the funeral directing aspect or whatever, like Florida cremates super fast. Like I don't know what their laws are down there that allow them to like turn around a cremation as quickly as they do, but like it's so much faster than we can do here. So like that's kind of nice. Red, I think we both know that Florida has no laws. <laughs> Absolutely no, no laws. laws. <laughs> <laughs> there are no laws in Florida. Um, honestly, whenever like you hear about like a funeral director, like getting in trouble or, you know, doing something like that is causing them like legal problems, they, they go to Florida. Yeah. Like that's what they do. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, not to bash Florida or whatever, but <laughs> no, we're bashing I was, Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real. I was, I was reading Red's notes on this and, um, it's funny. They put like, you know, near large bodies of water or forest dense areas. And in my mind, like as a forensic person, I was like, you absolutely do not want to die in a large body of water or near forest dense areas (laughs) where no no one will ever find your corpse. (laughs) So I'm just going to say opposite of what Red said is die in like a place with like a lot of nice hospitals and hospice care or something like this. That's actually a really good point. (laughs) Maybe maybe mine are better for like murderers, not so much the people. Uh, yeah, that and murdering. that honestly tracks, you know. <laughs> so uh, Richard goes on to ask, how long does it take for brain activity to cease in the case of death, either natural or sudden, unexpected trauma-related deaths? Um, this is a question that I have not researched. So anything I say right now is off the top of my head and certainly not scientific fact. Um, but I think it really depends on what is happening in, in terms of like trauma related. If there is any like severing of the spinal cord or any of the midbrain structures, like, um, like your brain stem or your uh, medulla oblongata, my favorite brain word. Um, it's pretty instantaneous, pretty instantaneous. Um, I would also say that, um, I mean, if you're unconscious, there's there's no way you're going to know that you're dying. Um, if there's like a, a lack of oxygen and your brain isn't getting any oxygen, I feel like that's a pretty quick brain death. Um, but, you know, I'm pretty sure there is research on you know, the brain 
and how long it stays active after death. I don't know about this research at all, but um, yeah, that's my that's my answer. I definitely think, I mean, like our consciousness as we know it ceases pretty quickly, whereas like there might still be firing of neurons happening as long as there's oxygen still being like used up in the body. But I can't imagine that would like affect any type of like conscious or like actual interaction with with your, you as a person, if that makes sense. Yeah, I've heard that's where like near death experiences come from, like people that have hallucinations of like heaven or like an afterlife sort of thing. I've, I've heard that 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 kind of goes hand in hand with like your brain going into like overdrive because they're like your brain is dying and it's kind of like going crazy. So I've heard that's like a thing. But other than that, I'm not so sure. We'll definitely touch a little bit more on that. And uh, then a few questions from now, I'm excited to answer that one. Mm. Um, another friend of mine, Harlene, uh, asks, is death care the same as hospice? Um, I would say, I would say no. I feel like death care is a term that encompasses a lot of things. Like my job is death care. Red's job is death care. I feel like death care happens at the point of being postmortem. So everything after death, I would say is death care. Um, hospice is more palliative care, which means that you are in the process of actively dying and you are like just getting comfort care in order to make your exit like a better um uh rolling out the red carpet for <laughs> for <death. yeah. laughs> thank you i was like what's the word but that's great yeah so palliative care is more like taking care of you so you're more comfortable in your own death i and that's hospice um, obviously hospice nurses deal with a lot of death and they interact with a lot of death care professionals, but I would not consider hospice death care. Catherine asks, do corpses stay intact longer in modern coffins as compared to older wooden box top type coffins of the past? So this is a good one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of factors involved in preservation of deceased. And so like when you see like the the joke of like oh the funeral director is selling you the the gasketed casket this that and and it's hermetically sealed etc cetera, etc cetera. um you know it it doesn't necessarily stay intact longer because there's still like bacterial like processes going on and you have created like this tiny environment for everything to still happen inside of mm -hmm. um Honestly, the only thing that keeps people like intact, quote unquote, longer is going to be embalming. Like a lot of times when you see people pulled out during disinterments that still look pretty all right, it's most likely going to be because of embalming. Um, really, the biggest thing is just keeping groundwater out. That's that's the bigger thing. So like hermetically sealing it is just creating its own little biome to still have someone decompose. Yeah. And it also has a lot to do with like the vault that your casket goes in. Because these days, rarely, if ever, are caskets just placed into the ground. Truth. A lot of cemeteries require vaults, which are these huge concrete boxes that this the um, casket goes into. Um, so obviously, and caskets are made out of like metal, aluminum, whatever. So obviously, it's going to last a little bit longer, as opposed to like an old, ye old, like, you know, coffin that they just threw in the ground or whatever. Right, exactly. Those those cor corpses would definitely, I, I guess, say, like the TLDR of that. Uh, yes, people stay intact longer with modern coffins, but uh, not as long as you might think. 
I suppose. Everyone's yeah. still going to decompose, but it's the embalming that counts more so. Yeah. I know we have to move quickly through these questions, but all of these questions are so good. I just want to spend so much time on them. <laughs> I feel like they're all good like intros to their own episode, but we we got to keep the 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 time flowing, so let's let's keep going. <laughs> they also go on to ask, when someone is cremated, how are ashes collected? This one's super easy. Um, there are a few metal tools that are used to retrieve the ashes and the bone fragments out of the retort, because retorts are super long, obviously, to fit in like an entire human body. Um, rakes and sweepers are like on these long metal poles, and that just pushes or uh, pulls them forward into like a collection bin that's at the front of the retort where the door is, and that funnels it all down into a container that processes um that you can take then to process in the cremulator pulverizer next question from same person is it true that the body is flooded with dmt at the time of death so yes this one i'm very excited about i'm not going to get too far into it just because i do want to talk about this in another episode so like i expected this answer to be super short and sweet and i was super wrong um, every time I like answer a question, I always research it, even if I'm sure I know the answer, because I like to avoid making uh, an ass of myself <laughs> to like the one scientist out there that's listening and knows more about me about a niche study. So this is yeah, one of those. definitely leave that to leave that to me. I can be the the person that doesn't research any of their questions. <laughs> <laughs> So I was always under the assumption that DMT was like the leading cause of near-death experiences and like that that light we go towards. But this is propagated from a single study done on lab mice. So while we do produce DMT naturally and definitely more so at the time of death, it's not the only it's not in any like substantial amount to cause that that tripping, um, as it were. Many, many other brain chemicals are produced actually at the same time. And like that whole cocktail is more likely the cause of what's that, that, that euphoria we experience at end of life. There are lots of uh, conflicting studies on this topic and there's still a lot more research to do, but I'm definitely holding, holding this uh, for another episode where we can go way more in depth about. Yeah, that would be great. I think the general consensus is that your brain is going into like final survival like fight to the death literally mode so things just start going haywire um but yeah i don't i've never heard of that honestly so i i don't think there is any like scientific like fact to that question Another question they asked is, uh, how does one become a mortician? And we definitely had a few episodes that we talked about this. So my short answer to this is a lot of bad life choices. <laughs> yeah. All right. Moving on. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that we, a lot of our earlier episodes, we talked about this a bunch. Maybe we'll do like a recap, come back to it sort of thing. But um, there's a lot of resources out there. Basically, just just go Google and uh, we'll we'll tell you about it later. <laughs> Their last question is, with the population of the planet getting so large, are there any issues or has there been any forethought to how we will have room to bury people indefinitely? So basically, will we eventually run out of space? So this one's interesting um, and, and it's definitely something I've personally thought about before. And it's it's kind of hard to put like numbers and figures to this. Uh, so we're going to be talking like pretty conceptually about this. Um, if we continue to have 50-ish percent burial rate in the United States, we will like definitely run out of cemetery space eventually, of course. Um, it's easy for us to think with like all the barren available land in the United States, like we'll never have the issue of space for the dead. But 
not all land is made like equally in this situation. Like it can't <laughs> always be used for burial. Like if soil is too loose or like the groundwater is too high. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, like Red said, eventually, yes, like in the future, we are going to run out of space. Um, but there is, you know, a lot of things that people are doing in other smaller countries and overcrowded metro areas. Um, you know, I think we might have all heard about like stories in, um, you know, Asian metropolitan areas where the space is so valuable, you know, everyone is crammed into um, a cemetery. Cremation is becoming more popular in order to accommodate this. Um, there are also um, instances I know of where there's like a, a limit. I don't want to say a limit, but there's a time frame to which you can like re bury a body deeper and put someone else on top yeah you're like um, it's like renting you're getting a mortgage on a, on yeah. a grave <laughs> it sounds really weird but i mean this we're talking like hundreds of years like we're not talking about 20 years so like grandma's not going to be reburied deeper and some rando put on top of grandma so don't worry about that um so this is definitely something that is in the works as well i mean even when you see old 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 cemeteries like the the super small ones in the country or like in the center of cities by churchyards and stuff, like they're usually already full or they're reserved for like a very select few. Um, I've seen a lot like of cemeteries by me expanding their like workable and, and sellable land for grave spaces. And a lot are putting in mausoleums to capitalize on like vertical space instead. So I feel like with the trend towards cremation that gets higher and higher every year, this will be a lot less of a problem in the future. Next, we have Iami asking... If someone's last wishes contradict a family's wishes, which takes priority for a corpse? I think we talked about this briefly before, but I, you know, we have like a bunch of things to say about this, but I will say that unfortunately, if you do not have any literal like legal documentation in place, the next of kin is usually the authority on all things uh, involving your death care. And yeah, honestly, even if like they contradict yours, a lot of states don't protect any wills or anything. So like they can, you, you can even prearrange and pay for something and the family can still come in and say, no, we're not doing that. Like a lot of states don't protect like last, last witches in that respect because you were considered uh, quasi property as a corpse. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So even if your will is like, I want to be cremated and spread and you know, so-and-so ocean. If your family doesn't want to do that, they don't have to. This is why me and Red are always recommending that if you have conflicting um, interests and ideas, then your family, who would be your next of kin, so either your mom or your dad or your uh, siblings, um, fill out paperwork to have a, what is it called? Funeral Advanced representative. Directive. Funeral representative to... Um, to have it be someone that you trust who is going to fulfill your wishes as you want them to be fulfilled. This is legal documentation and this person can take care of you and your wishes. Other than that, you really don't have any um, rights as a dead person. Vince asks, what are some things people have requested done to a body before viewing that you can just not realistically, ethically, or illegally do? <laughs> I, I've never had this experience, but this question is really scary to me. 
<laughs> actually, I have also never experienced something that someone said and like I was like, I, I actually can't do that. Like I've had moments come up that I'm like, this seems pretty legally gray. And then it usually ends up falling back onto that. Well, is the funeral home going to put their license on the line to like handle this? Like I remember there was like a family that wanted to drive the casket to the cemetery in the back of their pickup. And I'm like, I mean, there's really nothing illegal about it as long as like it's in procession and like we're going with them you know but mm -hmm. you know it's it's well there's a lot of gray area with what we do <laughs> another question from ryan where do you stand on a move away from traditional burial funeral practices and towards more non-traditional ones we love it we're all for it uh me and red both 10 out of 10 um 10 out of 10 would recommend. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I think that traditional burial is a old, archaic, terrible, wasteful practice, and I really hate it. I think it's just awful. I think it's so wasteful. It's so bad for the environment. And I think it's stupid um, because you're dead and, you know, you don't need all of these chemicals pumped into your body. You don't need that metal casket and, like, the, what did you say, the hydromically sealed vault or whatever. <laughs> Yeah. hermetically sealed to get all the water out it just it doesn't matter because in the end you're going to decompose and turn into dust and that's all that matters um so i definitely do enjoy it i i love the idea of like natural burials anything that is you know unique and individualized to the individual to like honor their memory i think is really important we had a couple episodes talking about alternative ideas for cremains, um, alternative burials. One of my favorites is like cryogenics, mm -hmm. like cryogenically frozen. I, you know, it's silly, but I think it's really cool that like people are, you know, investing into something like that. Um, so I would say all for it. You know, honestly, one of my dreams is to own like an alternative funeral home in the future, maybe like a retirement gig, but um we are definitely all for it here on this podcast. Logan asks, is there any solid answer as to what burst of electrical activity and sudden weight loss upon death is? I love this question. <laughs> I like the first time I heard about this. Okay, so let me back up. We're talking about the 21 gram experiment. So in 1907, Duncan McDougall, um, hosted an experiment where he wanted to see if the soul of a person has any weight. So he literally took dying, like actively dying people. This was again, back in 1907. So you could do stuff like this. <laughs> uh, he took actively dying people and put them on body scales and he monitored them. And at the moment of death, he like watched the weight of the person to see if anything changed. I think he said that his, his, um, pool of uh, test subjects was like, I think it was almost 10 people. So not a lot, but not like one person. Yeah. So it was a couple people. And he said across the board, like uniformly, um, there was a 21 gram weight loss at the exact moment of death, um, which is very interesting. And I just love it. I just think it's so weird. It's so cool. So that is what you are talking about. Obviously, there hasn't been any way to replicate this study and even if there has been i don't think there's been any like concrete like peer-reviewed um uh 
people like saying that this is like actually true, but it is a really interesting experiment. And if you have the chance to read about it, definitely go Google that because I think it's so cool. It's called the 21 gram experiment. So, you know, maybe your soul weighs 21 grams. Um, and then what you're asking about the electrical activity, we kind of talked about earlier, um, but more recently, the University of Michigan did an experiment on rats um, that they noticed increased brain activity before the moment of death. Um, like we talked about, your brain just kind of goes haywire. This could lead to like visual sensations, um, but obviously control experiments have not been performed on humans because it is not 1907 anymore. <laughs> Um, so Ethics definitely laws. some, <laughs> definitely some interesting stuff there. Um, but the, the 21 gram experiment thing is super cool and I recommend anyone go read about it. That's super fascinating. I did not know about that. I love it. So my friend Marcus is asking us a very well-worded, educated question. Um, he states, my question is with the decrease of Americans who identify as part of one of the Abrahamic religions. And with 64% of millennials stating that they attend a religious service less than three times per year, do you feel that funeral practices and the uh, preparation of the body will change over the next decade? If you have already started to observe this trend, how so? It seems to me that much of our funeral traditions are rooted in Abrahamic religious practices. I love this question. So <laughs> I absolutely think that funeral services are going to be completely revamped in 10 years. Uh, because like it all starts with who's coming in to make the arrangements. And like today, right now, it's mostly our parents, Gen X and boomers, like those age groups. They're more traditional, but with Gen X, it's starting to make that verge towards the DIY modus, like the do-it-yourself. So like, for example, instead of a funeral home performing the cremation and arranging and directing a memorial service and funeral, the families are just contracting with us to do the cremation itself. And then the families will schedule services on their own. And we've, we've seen this trend even in our lifetime. So directors like I've worked with that have been in the business for like maybe like 15, like 30 years, like and somewhere in that, uh, like they used to never do contracts for cremation. And now it's up to like 60% in most places. So like a lot of people aren't really seeing value in funerals run at funeral homes or at churches, and they're more going towards like memorial luncheons and celebrations of life and, and things that like talk about the detail of who a person was and that impact they made while they were here, not so much the scripture aspect. So the other portion of your question, um, like preparations of bodies is definitely changing too. We're seeing a lot less embalming. Uh, especially because there's a lot more direct services, so direct cremation, direct burial, and it's not legally required uh, to embalm a body if you're just choosing a direct service. So, like, whether whether we'll see a change towards more alternative forms of disposition, it's yet to be seen in large trends. Like, even things like natural burial and, like, open, open pyre cremation, body composting, things like that are being done but new laws come out every year to allow or poo-poo on these practices. <laughs> uh, so honestly, those only account for even like 1% of dispositions that we have right now. It all depends on availability, the price, the practice. I mean, <laughs> and if the Catholic Church will uh, lobby against it, usually de <laughs> determines those, those things coming to be on the forefront of funeral service. So I hope that got all your parts of your question. <laughs> 
Yeah, I I am honestly excited for when the Gen Zers, uh, Gen Z, starts to have you know their funeral arrangements going on. Like that's that's gonna be wild. I love Gen Z; they're crazy. Yeah, the first funeral I I do for I want my body shot out of a cannon, like <laughs> you know. fireworks. Yeah, <laughs> which is a thing. But moving on. <laughs> Joy asks, Have you ever found stuff on bodies after the viewing, like things in their pockets or shirt or such? Um, I mean, I think this is more, I mean, obviously after the viewing, I, I see the bodies like when you die, like I see when you die, I think the, you know, obviously we get, you know, drugs, we get whatever is on you at the moment of death. But I think the funniest thing that I still think about from time to time is I, I used to work in a morgue that was located within a hospital. And so we would get the hospital deaths as well. And the one time this this hospital bed came down and usually the decedents come down already bagged in body bags. And so you saw this huge hump like coming out of the body bag. And we were like, oh my gosh, is that person like really big? Like what's going on? And the the transporter was like, oh no, that's just that's just all our stuff. And so it was this like little old lady who like bless her heart like had moved into the hospital. Oh my god! <laughs> so she had like her iPad, she had like her knitting stuff, her like quilting stuff. She had like all of these things that were just like had been you know put in a personal belongings bag and put inside of her body bag with her. But it was just so funny. It was like all of her like personal items from like her life were just with her, and they were bigger than her so that was really <laughs> the funny. mary poppins bag yeah i i typically see like a lot of um like there's like cute things like people put in like goodbye letters and like family photos and then it, it definitely feels like our own version of like like egyptian like burial where it's just like you put the things that the person like loved in their lifetime so i see a lot of like beer cans and like packs of cigarettes and candy I've had to pull bullets out of the casket before. You can't get like I don't care if they you can't were a hunter. Them. Yeah, you can't cremate them. <laughs> Pat goes on to ask: Is it true that before cremation, teeth with metal fillings have to be removed, and what do you do with them if so? Um, no. If any metal is left over after a cremation, it's uh, magnetically. Uh, or like sifted, physically picked out, manually and recycled. So people think that, um, you know, the the idea here is that, you know, people are stealing like the gold fillings out of your teeth. Um, first of all, teeth fillings aren't gold anymore. Um, sure, people who are dying still have gold in their mouth. But honestly, it's it's literally just like cents worth of gold. Like there is no huge black market for like dead people gold fillings yeah. that funeral directors are like dipping their toes into. You could find um, more change in your couch. Like, yeah. <laughs> And honestly, funeral directors are not dentists. I I think that I've met a lot of funeral directors who don't like teeth or like anything like that. So I I, I really don't think there's anyone out there trying to uh, to steal grandma's gold fillings or anything like this anymore. Pat also asks, do you get asked for pieces of the deceased? I assume hair mostly, but anything bizarre. Hair is, like, super common uh, to be asked for, like, that it's not out of the ordinary. Um, I think the weirdest ones for me have been, like, families have asked me, not not family, families, like, plural, have asked for dentures back <laughs> after they've been closed in the mouth for the viewing. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. That, <laughs> disgusting. So gross. <laughs> um, and then, like, medical implants have been asked for pacemakers back, hip replacement, like, neck cages, like... Hmm. If even someone asked me for fingernails one time, like 
I'm Ew. I am not joking. You did like that was one person, and that one person was. I hope they're okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was gonna say that's like some black magic stuff going on. Right. Probably, I feel like. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, you know, again, different experience. Can can you give them pacemakers? I feel like, is that allowed? I did have one family that we had to give it back for, like, an investigation because they needed, yeah. like, the information on the pacemaker to help determine something. Like, they were doing a private investigation or something about oh, I the see, death. I see. So, so yeah. that we did. We disinfected it and gave that one back. I will say that, you know, this isn't in the same vein, but kind of. So what I thought was really interesting is that if you say you lose a part of yourself, like you have an amputation or whatever, and if it's in your beliefs that you need to be buried as a whole person, um, we've had multiple people come to the morgue and be like, hey, um, can I have my arm back please mm. and i mean we have to give it to you the only uh, a lot of hospitals have policies that any um human biohazard waste which would be your like amputated arm has to be released to a funeral director who then would you know probably cremate it because there's no way that arm is staying fresh uh until the day you die so yeah, sorry you don't um, get to put it in a jar on your you know mantle yeah. or anything <laughs> <laughs> no like formalin jar going on but yes that is something that actually happens quite often um megan is asking us have you ever been sprayed when aspirating so it's not usually what in my experience it's not usually yourself that you have to worry about getting sprayed by your own aspiration it's like when you're working with other people, because um, <laughs> typically, like if you tell, you can tell like the aspirator starting to back up, like you'll cover it, like from spraying yourself. But I've had a lot of people panic and pull it out, protecting themselves, and then spraying everybody else around them. Uh. Yeah, I was. Uh, I think my my favorite story about this is um, I was assisting another student during their like Mort Sai uh, embalming final, and their hose backed up. So when they went to pull it out, it shot spray everywhere. And the professors that were sitting across the room, like droplet spray landed like just a few feet oh away from them. <laughs> and like, I I would be so scared for his grade because if it, it if it ruined their <laughs> loafers, like, oh my gosh. <laughs> that's that's enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will definitely say that there is a big difference here between um embalmers and uh autopsy techs or like people performing autopsies. So Red, maybe you can correct me, but you know, usually embalmers are not gowned up to the degree that autopsy people are. Confirmed. So if yeah, <laughs> so if you're doing an autopsy, you're wearing like, you know, a plastic apron with sleeves, you're wearing a face shield, you're wearing goggles, you're wearing a mask, you're wearing a hairnet, you're wearing booties, you're wearing it all because you have to. Um, if you are an embalmer, you're probably wearing gloves. I'm just kidding. You're definitely wearing <laughs> gloves. But, <laughs> but sometimes, you know, maybe that's all you get to put on before you start embalming. Um, so I, I will say that getting sprayed at autopsy is definitely a high risk for the job. But I mean, we are prepared to handle that. Um, so, you know, getting sprayed by like a kidney cyst or, you know, whatever have you, it sucks, but usually it's not as bad as like, I would say, um, an aspirating spray. Christina asks us, I saw a TikTok where the family didn't like their grandmother's lipstick. And when they tried to wipe it off, wiped off her actual lips, all in caps there. Is that something that's actually possible? Yes. So it Christina, <laughs> Christina asked me this question. And as soon as I read it, I like burst out laughing because it is possible. Mm -hmm. This is like, this is true. And I cannot believe this was on TikTok. Like, what the heck? Um, 
So, Red, why don't you explain why this is totally possible? So, in the case that uh, the person that embalmed their their this family's loved one, uh, they wax the lips. They would do that to like build them up, to shape them better, or whatever have you. Uh, that would absolutely come off with a wipe. Uh, I, I've done this when I've tried to fiddle fart around with another embalmer's stuff. I'm like, oh man, they did this lip line wrong. And then I screw up the whole mouth because it's <laughs> not even lips. It's just wax at that point. Mm. And this is why you never, ever touch the deceased makeup. Like if you don't like something about your loved one's appearance, always ask the funeral director to come fix it. Because like there's a lot of magic that goes on to make people look the way they do sometimes. And you have no idea what type of building we've done to get them to look that way. Um, Another tooth question. Marlon asks us, do teeth really pop inside the crematorium? Jesus Christ, no. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely saw this like meme fake did you know facts like going around on like Facebook and like the internet and stuff. And the answer is definitely no, 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 no. There's nothing inside the tooth that would actually like pressurize or like pop. Like there's not corn inside of your teeth. (laughs) I don't really know. I don't really know what the idea is here, but, and thank goodness, because I do not think that we'd keep a lot of crematory operators for very long if this this was consistently (laughs) happening. Yeah, honestly. Those poor crematory operators. Have you ever met a crematory operator? They are like, like salt of the earth, like wholesome people that I don't even know why they're in death care. This is true for all crematory operators, by the way. They're usually just like people. Like, I don't know how they get the job, but they they definitely would not be sticking around if there was some like flashbang popping happening <laughs> every single like deceiving crematory <laughs> cremation. It's already like traumatic enough if a pacemaker doesn't get removed and they have to get that <laughs> exploded there. Like, absolutely not. Teeth, teeth do not pop in cremation. Kerrigan asks, what do I have to do to be mummified? So this is another one that I'm super glad that I Googled first. Um, I was yet again ready to say, absolutely not. Nope. No funeral home is going to scramble your brain (laughs) through your nose. And an airfare to Egypt is super expensive. But there is a straight up organization called Sumum, and they're based out of Utah, that actually practices modern mummification. And uh, apparently you can have services like normal, like you would the quote-unquote traditional American funeral, and they will then take your body afterwards and begin the mummification process, like like ye olde times. Mm-hmm. And it apparently takes like 90 days, um, which I think is pretty fast uh, compared to what they might have done back, back in the day. But it's also going to cost you 67,000 American dollar dues. <laughs> like, that's, that is a lot of money. That's like... 10 funerals dude like <laughs> yeah that's like comparable to cryogenics though i'm just gonna throw it out there very true. comparable that's true <laughs> um but yeah the fact that this process is possible is is funny but like if there's a will there's a way like people are weirdos i i get it like go ahead and mummify yourself um my first thought about this question uh, when karen get asked it i i said uh directly to her i was like well you need to die outside in like new mexico and you'll be mummified <laughs> in like a couple hours uh, <laughs> which is true mummification is a natural process that happens in a very dry heat environment um so like i said outside in the summer in new mexico um have yourself your own little mummification party <laughs> I thought we would end uh, this episode on one of my favorite questions that was asked. Uh, thank you, Devin, for this this gem. Devin asks, 
Is death a cool person? Oh, I, I, you know, I like to say that me and death have a really good relationship. I, I do love me some death. So I, I would say, I would say he's an all right guy or she, you know, or they. <laughs> Based on everything that we've seen from our pop culture analysis of like media, et cetera. I'm going to say that's a that's a hard yes. Death probably wears some pretty cool clothes and speaks in riddles or something. And I'm all about that. Well, thank you, everyone, for your questions today. Um, I think we covered a lot. We covered a lot of ground. We learned a lot of things. I hope you guys got some uh, some cool, you know, fun party facts that you can bring to your your friends that are tired of hearing you talk about death. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but this was really fun. I, I think we, you know, it's a long time coming. We wanted to do like a really fun, like easy episode. Um, like I said, there's a lot of stuff going on. So we really appreciate you guys. And, you know, I hope it was fun for you, too. I'm really excited to do more episodes like this in the future because I was assuming, oh, you know, our friends are going to ask us a lot of the same questions our parents did. But no, uh, you guys did not. So I am looking forward to more episodes in the future with more rowdy questions, some weird stuff, things that we probably don't even think about asking anymore. So this will be definitely a staple episode type in the future. Yeah, our friends are some weirdos. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And that's all this week for Mort Mike. We'd love to connect with you guys on our socials. So like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at Mort Mike Podcast. It would mean a lot to hear your feedback. So please tell us what you think in a comment. Drop us a rating on whatever podcast hosting site you use. And if you have any suggestions on topics or like to hear your own weird question be talked about, shoot us an email at mortmikepodcast at gmail.com. I also want to give a huge thank you to our friend Marcin for the use of his song titled Deputies of Death, which he produced just for our show. You can check out his bandcamp at marcinmusic.bandcamp.com. Thanks, Marcin. And be sure to tune in the first Thursday of every month for some more casual discussions on death. Thanks, guys, so much for listening. This has been Mort Mike. Bye. Bye.